Well, before I start, I want to share a bit of a story with you. Um, this story is about a mate of mine uh, called Jim. Uh, Jim and I have been mates for quite a few years now, uh, and Jim's a triathlete. He's one of these nuts that uh, gets up at 5 o'clock every morning to go out training, and he's done this for about 15 years. He goes out and he trains all day, every day. Um, now, since we were young teens, Jim's always had a dream. Uh, this dream was that one day he was going to compete in the Olympics. Now, Jim didn't want to just compete in any Olympics, though. His real dream was to compete in his home country in Sydney back in 2000. So Jim set about the goal and he got even more competitive with his training. And he trained a bit harder. He made sure he was eating the right foods. He had the high-carb foods coming in, very little fat, so that his body was in shape. You see, this all kept happening until about six months before the Olympics. This day, Jim's coach pulled him aside and he said, Look, Jim, he said, I've got some really good news. I've done all the hard work for you and I've got, got you a place in the team. You don't even have to go to the trials. There's one condition, though. See, I want you to try real hard. I want you to bring home gold. Keep training like you have been. Put in the hard yards. I want you to come home with that gold so everyone can see how good a coach I am. Hopefully this will show the rest of the world that I'm the best coach and it will increase our club. So Jim went away and he thought about it for a bit. thought, of course coach is right. I'm going to bring home gold. I'm going to show the world that my coach is best. So Jim kept training day in, day out. Nothing changed for about three months anyway. This one particular day, one of Jim's mates, Joe, came around. These guys have been mates for years. They'd even trained together at one point until Joe gave the game away. See, Joe was going to a party that night and he wanted to take Jim with him. Their conversation went a little like this. Joe said, look, Jim, I know you normally wouldn't come because of your training regime, but you've already told me coach has got you on the team. What's one night going to hurt? Come on, let your hair down. One night and a couple of drinks isn't going to affect your training schedule that much. So, Jim went along. After all, Coach had done all the work. The next day, Jim woke with a hangover. He decided to give training a miss that day. After all, he was already on the team. The Olympics, they were still three months away. He had heaps of time. But that night... Joe came around again. Joe took him to the pub for dinner. They got home at 2 o'clock in the morning. Jim decided he'd sleep in. He didn't need to train that day. But more things kept coming along and Jim kept putting training off. He figured he'd be right. He was already on the team. Coach had done all the work. But another three months went by and Jim was standing on the starting line at the Olympics. He hadn't trained for three months, but he was still confident. Coach got me here. I'll be right. The starting gun went off, and Jim took off. Well, that's what he told me. Looked more like a limp. Right from the start, he couldn't keep up with the others. He found the further into the race he got, the further behind he fell. Needless to say, he got to the end of the race in last place by a very long way. See, the media make it, made a huge joke of this. They asked questions like, who coached this guy? 
Why did he even let him try out for the Olympics? Who selected this guy for the team? He's no athlete. Right out, so I don't have a mate called Jim. But like Jim, many Christians today think that because Jesus, our life coach, has done all the work for us, the work's been done. He's already got us a place in heaven. We don't need to train, or so we think. We don't see the importance of working toward that end day. Just like Jim fooled himself, we too are doing this if we sit on our haunches partying life away. Instead, we need to be working toward that end day. You see, Jim showed no appreciation for the work his coach had done for him. He did the total opposite and just took it for granted. How often do we as Christians do the same? We take for granted what our coach has done for us and we sit on our haunches assuming it's going to be okay. So here in our passage today, this is exactly what James talks about. James tells us that although we've been redeemed, we need to respond. We need to be doers of the word. We need to be living out our faith. So if you're following on your outline, we're at point one and you might like to turn to verse 19 of our passage with me now. Verse 19. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. Notice how James starts there. My dear brothers... Take note of this. It's almost as if James is saying, look, if you've started reading my letter and you've already dozed off, you better wake up. Listen up, I've got something important, so take note. So what is it that's so important here for us today? So you could take this first verse and think, that's something good I should do. I really should be quick to listen, slow to speak. I should be more careful with what I say and how quick I become angry. It would be really easy to read it in this way and just take it as a good moral lesson. But James hasn't called us to attention for no reason at all. See, he's got a point to make. James goes on to say, he says, Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry, for man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. So James is telling us that God desires us to lead a righteous life. See the point? God desires us to lead a righteous life. So do you think this means that we're going to take the warning lightly? We've got to remember we don't deserve salvation. But God through his grace has chosen us and he's given us salvation. He doesn't say we have to stop being angry. He doesn't say we have to be quick to listen and slow to speak. But James says this is what God desires of us. So that's the really cool thing about Christianity. I remember the most simply I ever had it put was by an old flatmate of mine. I remember he got home from youth group one night and they'd been studying other religions. He sat down on the couch next to me and I remember him saying something like this. He said, Brad, we'll study in different religions tonight. And we learnt that Christianity has one main fundamental difference to all other religions. All other religions require you to work to earn your salvation, where Christianity is the only religion where we've already received our salvation. 
You see, we work to say thanks to God and to show him our appreciation for what he's done. I think I'm always going to remember that conversation because Pete put it so simply. But it shows why if this is what God desires for us, why we really should be striving to do it. God desires this of us and we want to show him our appreciation for what he's already done. So we do it. We see in verse 21 that this is exactly what James is trying to say. Verse 21, James says, Therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. I want you to take notice of the first, first word in that verse, therefore. At the moment in Sunday Mob, we're studying the book called Dig Deeper. One of the authors, Andrew, puts a lot of emphasis on the word therefore. He says, when you see a therefore, you really need to ask what it's really there for. So, why has James put this therefore? Therefore. Well, it's quite simple. James has just finished saying, this is how God desires you to live. So for this reason, you need to do this. So what is this? James says, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you. So not only should we be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to anger, but we should be rid of all moral filth and evil. So what's this going to look like for you? It may mean putting an end to that flirtatious friendship with the office secretary. It may mean putting an end to that malicious gossip circle you're a part of. It may mean disconnecting the internet at home so you can't get access to those images that rule your life. It may mean spending less time with a certain group of friends whose hot conversations cut each other down every time and don't build each other up, as we heard Sue sharing earlier. See, if your life's anything like mine, you may be wondering, if I had no moral filth in my life, my life would be pretty empty. Well, that's what God would, would desire of us because this would mean the rest of our life was freed up to be filled with this word that is implanted in us. See, James tells us the word is already planted in us and all we need to do is receive it. The English Standard Version of the Bible says that we should receive with meekness the implanted word. So if we were to receive with meekness the implanted word, we would acknowledge that we receive the word from Christ through nothing we've done ourselves. We recognise that the only part we've played is to accept it with meekness. We don't boldly accept it. We don't deserve it. But with an attitude of meekness, we quietly and humbly accept what Christ has done for us. We acknowledge that it's through his word we're saved. It's not us, but the word that saves us. It's not our works that save us, but Christ. Now, if you are here last week, you may remember back to Paul's talk, and he was talking about a farmer who planted some seeds. So we see this idea repeated again here in James. So the implanted word that James talks about is that seed, the seed the farmer, who we know as Jesus, planted. So Jesus has planted this seed in your heart. What are you going to do with it? Is your seed going to be strangled out by the worries of this world? Or is your seed going to fall on a hard heart and be carried off by the vultures of this world? Or is your seed going to be humbly accepted 
and blossom into a great harvest. James tells us we need to humbly accept it. So now that we've accepted the word, how should this look in our life? How would James have us respond? Well, lucky for us, he goes on to tell us how Christ would want us to respond. So at point two in verse 22 of your passage, if you want to turn with that, to that with me now. Verse 22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. The ESV starts off by saying, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Remember I said earlier that when you see a therefore, we need to ask what it's there for. Well, but's one of those words too. It links the argument back to what we've just been reading. James says, look, it's all good to put away all filthiness and sin and receive the word, but what are you going to do with it? Well, this is what you should do. Not just receive it, but do it. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the uh, old Nike shoe ads, but I reckon if Nike were around back when James wrote verse 22, it would read more like, but just do it. James says we need to do it. We need to go out and live the word and just do it. Now you might be asking why. Why should I do it? It's hard work, James. It's hard work and my mates might not accept me. Those around me might alienate me. Why should I do it? This would make a lot more sense if we were to just insert an extra word in our passage. So if you were to read verse 22 and 23 in the Bradley Standard Version, it would now read like this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Because anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So we ask James, why should we do it? His response is simple, because if you're not a doer, it's just plain foolish. I mean, what sort of man looks in a mirror and walks away and forgets what he looks like? It sounds a bit foolish if you ask me. That's what James is trying to say here. He's trying to say that plain and simple. If we receive the word and fail to do what it says, we're just plain foolish. So I hear you all saying, I'm a Christian. Of course I'm a doer of the word. So what changed in your life because of what Paul taught us from the word last week? You know, 90% of DPC members would say the thing they appreciate most about DPC is the teaching. The scary th thing, though, is I reckon 95% of those people have changed nothing in their life because of what they heard from the teaching last week. So what did you hear last week from the Word that changed what you've done in the last week? If nothing in your life has changed, James says you're merely listening to the Word. James says you're like the man who looks in the mirror 
and walks away and forgets what he looks like. James says we need to be acting on what we read and hear from the word. Okay, so this sounds a bit gloomy. So James is throwing in some good news for us too. We quite clearly see here that there will be blessings associated with doing the word too. If we read on to verse 25, James says, But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, this being doing the word, doing what the word says, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. The important thing is that we don't just do it for the blessings. We do it in response to what God has already done for us. But the cool thing we learn here is that if we do obey the word and we do what it says, we will receive blessings from God. So God wants us not only to hear his word and accept it, but he wants us to be doers of his word. What's this going to look like in our lives today? See, before I was a Christian, my life looked very different to what it does now. And for the first few years of my Christian life, I found this a hard idea to fathom, the fact that my life had to change. See, I knew God had given me his word. I'd known that most of my life, having grown up in a Christian home. Also, I knew it had a bunch of rules God wanted me to follow. The thing was, I reasoned with myself that Christ had forgiven me and he knew I lived in a fallen world. See, I thought that because Christ knew I lived in a fallen world, he knew I wasn't perfect. I thought that gave me a reason not to obey his word. See, I didn't see why people had a problem with me turning up to church on a Sunday with a hangover. I was there. What else would God want? I didn't think there was a problem if I swore at work around other guys who swore. They weren't offended by it. I never swore around my Christian mates or my parents, so what was the problem? I didn't see a problem with reading those dirty emails that were passed around the office. The pictures of naked women on my boss's computer. They were God's beautiful creation, so why couldn't I look at them? Do you ever find yourself reasoning with yourself in this way? Since then, thankfully, I've read more of God's word and seen that it does apply to me. See, I was like the guy James talks about here. I'd look into the word and I'd go away and forget what it told me. I'd forget how it told me I should live. I remembered the bits that suited me and my lifestyle, but I forgot the rest of it. James tells us we need to be looking into this word. We need to be remembering what it says and we need to be applying it to our lives. We need to be doers of the word. James says simply, just do it. James says, look, being a Sunday Christian isn't enough. You need to live it out. It needs to be a day-to-day thing. James goes on in verse 26 to try and open our eyes up to this fact. We're at point three in the outlines. Verse 26 says, If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. So what's James saying? He's saying, look, live it out. Don't just turn up to church on Sunday and call yourself a Christian. It's not good enough. Everyone believes in religion. 
Look, even Satan believes in God. But if you want to be religious or to be a Christian, you need to follow it up with your life. You need to be keeping a tight rein on your tongue. If you're not, James tells us, your religion is worthless. He says, if we're not keeping a tight rein on our tongues and living out our religion, we deceive ourselves. Notice, though, he doesn't say we deceive those around us. He says we deceive ourselves. See, following Christ is eternal. It's a lifestyle. It's not something we join together to do once a week. It's something we live out. James says, you want to know what true religion is? Well, this is the type of religion that God the Father accepts. Verse 27, James says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Some of you might be saying, thought I was already seen as pure and faultless through Christ's death and resurrection. Well, yes, you are. But he's had to wear our faults and our bad religion. All our faults are on the cross. That's what tarnished Christ. That's what sent Christ to the cross. It wasn't the evil soldiers of the day, but our sin. Our bad religion. Our lack of action. That's what sent Christ to the cross. James says God only accepts one type of religion a religion that's lived out. God expects you to look after orphans and widows. He expects us to keep a tight rein on our tongues. He doesn't want us gossiping. He doesn't want us swearing. He expects us to show love to those around us. He wants us welcoming that neighbour that moved in next door. He says we need to comfort the son whose father just died from cancer. He says we need to comfort the grandmother whose husband of 60 years just passed away. See, we've been given amazing love and comfort from our Father in heaven and we need to pass it on. Not only should we be showing love and comfort to those around us, we need to stop letting the world infiltrate our lives. James says, and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This means we should be living differently to those in the world means our lives shouldn't be being tarnished by the evil of this world. It means we ne- need to be guarding ourselves against the pollution of the evil of this world. Now, it sounds quite simple on paper, but we all know how hard it is. So what's it going to look like in your life this week? For you, it might mean that you don't let that advertisement entice you to watch that late-night TV show. For you, it might mean the next training course you're away on, you won't let your workmates entice you down to the strip club. It may mean you don't let the language of those around you change your language. It might mean you stop letting the greed of those around you make you want the same. It might mean you learn to be content with what you have. It might mean you stop lusting after the things of this world and rather turn your attention to things to come. You might stop longing that your life was just that little bit easier and start looking forward to a future of no pain or sorrow. might mean you let go of that expectation of a Mr Perfect and turn to God 
for him to fulfill your needs. It may mean you stop worrying about your physical image and turn to God to improve your inner image. Whatever it means for you, it should mean that you just start to do it. James says, just do it. Live out this life. Live out true religion. Show the world who God is and how he wants you to live. So in this passage this morning, James has made it quite clear for us. Christianity isn't something to be taken lightly. It's not just another religion. It's not something we just do on Sundays and if you're lucky at Christmas and Easter. James said, says this would be a foolish way to live. James tells us this isn't the type of religion that God accepts. He says quite simply, Christianity needs to be lived out. He says we need to just do it. We need to be doers of the word. We can no longer just sit on our bums and watch the rest of the world pass away. We need to be out there living it out for Christ and showing the rest of the world and showing God that our religion matters. Now, we won't be doing this to earn our salvation. Christ's already done that for us on the cross. We're going to be doing it to show our thanks to God because of what he's already done for us. We're going to be doing it because this is what God desires of us. We're going to be living it out to show God's love to those around us. We're going to be living it out so we're continually reminding ourselves of where our true home really is. So if we're going to be doers of the word, we aren't going to wait until a time that suits us. We're going to start acting on it today. For those of you here who are parents, you can't use the kids as an excuse not to be living out your faith now. Once the kids leave home, it's too late. We need to be living it out now. If you need to minister to someone or to talk to someone about getting your life in order, don't let the kids stop you. Find a babysitter. Take the kids with you. James tells us we need to just do it. For those of you who have got kids who have already left home, you may be thinking you're too old to be making a difference. Maybe you think you've done your fair share of living for God. You're too old anyways. What difference can you make? This is rubbish. God's got you here for a reason and his desire for you is to be living it out. His desire for you is to be working as hard as you can to show those around you his love. You can never be too young or too old to do this. Those teenagers here, maybe you're thinking you just want to have some fun and you worry about that Christianity stuff when you leave home. At least then you'll be old enough to make a difference. After all, you're only young. You've got plenty of years ahead of you. Stop being stupid. You can make a difference now and you need to be making a difference now. God's desire for your life is that you be living for him. James says you need to just do it. Maybe you're sitting here thinking, I just want to get the house paid off. I just want to get ahead in the mortgage repayments. 
and then I'll knuckle down and start thinking about living seriously for Christ. Stop wasting your time. God's desire for your life is that you be living to serve him, that you be showing his love to those around you. Next year might be too late. What better time to start than now? We need to just do it. See, God doesn't call us to just sit around and wait for the end of time to come. Here in James, we're called to action. We're called to get up and be doers of the word. We're called to stop living our own way and live in the way of the word, not the way of the world. Let me repeat that for you. We're called to stop living our own way and live in the way of the word, not the way of the world. Let me leave you this morning with the words of verses 21 and 22 to ponder on. I'll be reading it from the ESV. It says, Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. How about we pray? Dear Lord, I thank you for your word. Thank you for the reminder we have here of how important it is for us to be living out our faith. I thank you that you have sent your son Jesus to die for us and that through that we do already do have a place in heaven. But I pray that... Uh, we won't take that as, an ex as a ticket to just be slackers, but that we will take this warning seriously from James and that we will be doers of the word and be living out our faith. Amen.